Hi, welcome to another episode welcome, welcome, welcome. of the Mashup 233. Yeah. Mashup Gang. Um, I hope you have followed us on our socials. Right? Yes, the Mashup 233 podcast. I, I bet guys, like when you when you <laughs> when you listen, please share and follow. Also give feedback. Give feedback. Like we need that feedback. Oh, please. Yeah. So anyway. So today, you know, when we were growing up, um, in order to succeed, succeed in quotes, our parents and our old people told us there were some professions you should always go for. So doctor, lawyer, engineer, etc. But there was this low-key profession nobody talked about. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody respected that person in the house. And every family had one or more of them in the house. Yeah. That's the bugger. Bugger, bugger. Bugger, bugger in a year. In a year day. But they were the most, <laughs> they, are the, they are, they are. They still are the most respected people in the in the families. Mm-hmm. When they talk, everybody listens. They're like, yeah. hey, bugger, bo. That's right. Anyway, so for those who don't know who a bugger is, in Ghana, a bugger is someone who has stayed, or who stays abroad, um, or who has stayed abroad for a long time. And yeah, so that's the title. Yeah. Maybe a bit of history is that there are a lot of Ghanaians who stayed in Germany, probably during the 70s and 80s. And quite a number of them stayed in Hamburg. And so Hamburg, Hamburger, Burger, Burger. Burger. Yeah, Burger. so it's got, <laughs> it's got <laughs> adulterated to Burger. Um, so yeah, so that's the story. So today, to have this conversation, we have two Burgers in two the house. Two Burgers in the house. Stay tuned. So, we are back. Um, yeah, so we have two burgers in the house. Bugger, These burgers, <laughs> unlike the burgers we know, don't have like blinks and chains and their trousers ah. aren't up to their stomachs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we let them introduce themselves. So, yeah. So, I am Gerald. I have been a burger for about 10, <laughs> 11 years now. I like the way he's owning the title. Yeah, I'm owning it. I'm owning it. I'm currently up. based in... Dublin, Ireland, where I work as a public policy professional. Hi, my name is Afra Koma, and I live in Vancouver, Canada. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Canadian. Hi, my name is Stephen. <laughs> I live in Canada. Dude, we know you. No? Okay. Yeah. Right, let, let's just move on. Fine. Oh, he's, he's a lucky bugger. <laughs> right. Now <laughs> nah, from Madina. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so we're wondering how the whole scene was paint the scene for us um in, in ghana before you left how how was it for you hmm. i guess i'll take this one first so in ghana um i was just going to i just had a normal life i was going to school boarding school in Tema international school and you know we run the IGCSE program and then the IB program which is international baccalaureate so most people that go to those schools because they're running the international programs they're able to apply to schools outside or easily assimilate into the um, North American or would I say Western world um, education system so I did apply and that's how I ended up in Canada In my case, I had just finished Motown and I was 
applying for schools like Afrakuma, taking their SATs and what have you. Contrary to, um, or different from Afrakuma, I had done the WASI system, so I didn't really have much exposure to the Western educational system. So um, the only benefit I had in that preparation process were the SAT classes that I did and YouTube videos that speak to like how to apply to college and, you know, people in your circle who've gone through the experience previously. So um, I had spent that year after high school that we typically have. I don't know if that's still there. Um, just apply and speaking to people and getting ready. So in, in total, how many years have you been out? Um, since 2010. So that's 11 years? Yeah. Mm, okay. Same actually since 2010, I think. We're, we're in the same year group, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all left for college around the same time. That's cool. Okay, well. So what was the trigger for you to go? I don't think there was a trigger per se. It was almost like a, a path, like almost like a, a logical natural, conclusion. Right? Yeah, mm. because the school that I was at, most people were automatically applying for schools outside because they knew they stand they stood a good chance of being accepted into those schools mm. so i applied mostly i think i applied to maybe 10 schools and i hear sorry 10 or 11 to, not to cut you i hear the, uh you guys even if you apply locally you pay as international students we, right? that's what i've heard too okay. that we pay as international just because we went to some it has never made sense to me but anyway so i think i applied to 10 or 11 schools i think four were u.s schools six were canadian and i i applied to university of legon and i was actually accepted i I wanted to go university of ghana legon that's what i meant (laughs) you see see that problem yeah problem problem. university of ghana legon yeah yeah. yeah. so i was accepted to that one too and, and Mm, yeah. I, I wanted to actually kind of go there but yeah I think Canada provided me an offer that was a bit too go difficult to, yeah. to decline yeah right. Right. Cool. in my case I think like similar to Afrakuma it was a pretty clear path I didn't really put much thought into it okay. um, my sister my dad a bunch of cousins of mine had already studied abroad. Okay. Um, so it was pretty clear from an early age that that would be the natural progression. Um, what Was there a point where you hesitated and you thought about, okay, I don't, maybe I don't want to do this after all? Not really. Okay. Um, at the time I was low-key getting tired of <laughs> 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 okay. and the heat and then the frustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you quickly begin to miss when you move move abroad but Mm. i think that sort of youthful excitement oh i'm going to school abroad you you watch movies videos you see people Mm. live in a very relaxed exciting manner in college and it it sort of draws you in um and because again everybody had done it it wasn't even like something to think about Mm. it was like oh you would very likely go to school abroad so I hadn't put that much thought into it, but similar to Africa, I also applied to about 10 to 12 schools, but all in the United States, because at the time, um, based on the knowledge I had, the United States had the best scholarship opportunity. So that's where I thought the, my best chances were. Okay. Yeah. Was there any hesitation at, uh, for you at a point? Um, Not really, because it was... 
it made sense to go to an international school and then go abroad, right? It, mm-hmm. Normally, people that go to international schools don't really stay behind. So there was no hesitation in applying. But I think the hesitation came when it was close to actually leaving the country. Um, I was like, oh, so I'm going to be in this place all by myself. I started having cold feet, like, yeah. basically. And, but the the first time the visa didn't go through, but the second time it went through. So I didn't have a choice. I, and I think my parents, too, were too excited. If I had even <laughs> said that I wouldn't go, I think they would have mm. checked me into a psychiatric <laughs> ward or something. They would have been like, are you crazy? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then how would you describe the documentation process as was it as as a was it like very tedious for applications yeah. for schools or for visa for the school itself uh for the school yes because uh, people were saying i was a should i say a broke aspiring burger <laughs> so i didn't have that i didn't think that my parents could pay fund the school fees so the process became more complicated for me because you don't normally when you're applying to colleges you you fill out the documents or whatever and then you write a college essay right but when you want a scholarship you write even more essays Mm -hmm. and also even though i was in an international school they still made us write those sats i didn't even write only sats i also wrote act there were two sats and yeah there's an act in, in case you are not too happy with the SATs in the sense mm-hmm. that it's too difficult for you, try ACT. Some people claim it's easier. Okay. Um, none of them was easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess so. Um, so, <laughs> okay. yeah. So, I also applied to a lot of scholarships, which made the process even more complicated because mm-hmm. there's more forms to fill for scholarships. There are some scholarships that you can even write three essays for. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, maybe short, short <laughs> essays, but like three questions, 300. Mm. All because of... <laughs> all because of dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Okay, um, so how did you handle growing up away from home? I mean, so your first experience... I'm, I assume most, most of you did, like, that was your first experience. I mean, away from boarding school, that was your first experience, like, outside of your family and... Ghana and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, how did you handle growing up? Because at that time, mind you, I assume you were like 18, 19. So, you are just emerging as an adult, right? So, how did you handle like growing up and spending most of your growing up days? You know? So, there's a degree of maturity that you've already achieved. So, I left at age 19 at that point, okay. right? Um, particularly if you've been to boarding school, like most of us did, mm. um, you start to develop like skills around independence, Mm. your own sense of values and principles. Mm. So by the time you travel abroad, those you're you're fairly grounded, Mm. right? In contrast to, and Afrikom, I don't know about your experience, when you look at the Canadians or the Americans coming to college the first time, they are still figuring out how to live independently as adults. Mm. And I found that that for Ghanaians and other international students, they were fairly mature. They were a lot more responsible. Mm. Um, And also you're there with a mission, right? You're there to graduate and get the best opportunities possible employment-wise. So you're fairly structured in comparison to others. Um, I mean, life is a continuous journey of growth, right? So um, there's definitely the growth that you gain abroad 
that comes from exposure, engaging with people from other African countries, other countries around the world, um, immersing yourself in new experiences that you're not familiar with. Mm. Um, and it's the little things from the bland food in the cafeteria <laughs> <laughs> to like just engaging in conversation with people and realizing that really people think differently from you, right? Mm. That help you or that improved your outlook on the world and mm. your outlook on yourself. But from a structural maturity standpoint, I don't feel like I went through that much. Okay. Post, a lot of that had happened A lot before. of that had happened already, okay. right? So it's okay. just like your outlook on the world changes slightly mm. because you're in a different environment and you're all of a sudden engaging with people from different cultures. Because mm. in my case, um, with Motown and also Morningstar, most people are Ghanaian. Mm. The, the most international you get is maybe Nigerian or half mm. Nigerian mm. or that one Lebanese or half Lebanese kid. Mm. Um, so you're suddenly immersed in this scenario where yeah, you have to engage with people from different faiths, different walks of life. Mm, so my experience going outside, you mm. know, the country, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So things like, okay, so here you didn't have to work on your own, feed yourself, stuff like that. Yeah. So how did you deal with all of that? I mean, in terms of like maybe values, like, you know, going out to do ridiculous things, I think the way that <laughs> your you Ghanaian... You ridiculous thing? <laughs> I mean, the way that your Ghanaian parents have advised you, mm. when you're even... If you're even going to go off guard, you can you can literally hear their voices at the yeah. back of your head, even though they're miles away. So in terms of that, it wasn't too difficult being kind of disciplined. But there was this, there's also this aspect of discipline that wasn't easy in the sense of waking up on time, making it to classes on time, um, studying mm. and stuff. Because you just came from boarding school where everything is structured for mm, you. Mm. They'll come and ring the bell, you wake up, mm. um, prep, mm. siesta, that kind of thing. But now you're in this foreign land where there's not, there's none of that structure mm. for you anymore, mm. right? So that made it kind of like difficult. But um, like Jared said, you, you also got to mingle with other people to know their perspective of life if i can put it that way and it wasn't that easy to because also here in ghana like we have people that you know help with like house chores cook for us um i remember my experiences cooking for the first time it wasn't that <laughs> simple i had to like you know try to remember what my mother used to say mm. and stuff like that so that that part was hard and also in running errands mm. like i know in ghana we complain that you know this place is about who you know but to an extent you do know people mm. but here so like if if i wanted you know to do this or to do that my father knows who to call for me to get it done mm. and stuff like that but in canada there was not i didn't have any connections so i mm. had to go through even though the process is not horrible it's not like going through a process in, in ghana mm. but i had to go through the process and sometimes for me, it was frustrating because if my dad was here, would have called to say, so I know that I've been done, right? So, mm. Mm. okay. Well, describe your first day in a foreign land. <laughs> I must have been quite. Thursday, you arrived. Uh, you are landed in, in landed day. from the plane, and your first yeah. night, if your first day, whichever one applies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so 
we landed at the airport. My mom went with me, actually. My okay. mom took me. So we landed at the airport and we had to go and see Canadian Border Services agents to actually get the visa because you don't get the study permits from here. You get them when you actually land in Canada. Okay. So they asked us some questions I answered. I feel like for me, this was my first time, you know, really engaging with foreigners or the mm. white people. Mm. So it was kind of like... Intimidating. Uh, strange, strange, like kind of okay. thing. And then... um we took a taxi to where we were staying and they dropped us off and my mom was like oh we need to go okay, and buy so take it from in your case mm-hmm. take it from the day the first day okay so when did your mom leave you after how long my mom left me after five days okay so tell me about the first night after she left by the time she left, I was okay because I had met a group of Nigerians. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, okay. I was kind of okay. Well, it okay. wasn't too bad. It was a sad experience when she was leaving me. It was mm. even sadder for her because she she's my mom and she's leaving her last born mm. in a foreign land. And we didn't even have time to hug and everything before the train doors c- closed. Mm. So it was, it was kind of sad. Mm. I, I was going to tell you more of a story of how we got lost. Oh, okay, you know, tell we, us. We like my mom and I. We went to buy something. We thought we could find our way, but she asked me. She was like, "Oh, Afa, will you f- be able to figure it out?" Me too, with very much confidence. I said yes. But, but coming back, <laughs> everywhere looked the same. Mm. And we tried to stop people on the road, and no. But we were living yeah. in a. Uh, we, it was close to the airport. It was a predominantly Chinese. Um, place and we tried to stop people nobody would stop we even I think we even knocked on doors for help and there's there's an incident I remember where somebody kind of like opened their curtains when they saw us they closed it and they never came out the door Hmm. so that was an interesting experience for me and my food experience also started sorry was that a was that a do you think it was a Chinese thing or it was it's just a western thing I wouldn't say it's I've a Western thing. That from Chinese as well. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a Western thing because there are parts of Canada that if you go and you did that, they would respond. Mm, in okay. fact, if you even stretched your hand, okay. they would give They'll you a lift. You, it's yeah. not everywhere in the city, obviously, mm. but um, yeah, I, okay. I think it was that area. Okay. First night, Gerald. So... In my case, I, I went... I have family in the US, so I went and stayed oh, with okay. them. Mm for like a week before actually <laughs> starting college. Um, and my mom and my sister also came as well. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember what happened. Everything was pretty normal. Again, because mm-hmm. I had studied abroad. I also did summer school house house in the US. So it wasn't my first time mm-hmm. in a collegiate environment in the States. Mm-hmm. So there was some sense of familiarity. And I also knew two Ghanaians who were in my year. I think they went to JS. So um, I had already met them before going and then they were there. So the, the transition process was fairly smooth mm. um, in that I, I had some sense of community when mm. I arrived and um, it wasn't a completely alien environment. Mm. But I find Afrocomus, um story about the door knocking thing very interesting or people not offering to help with directions because that's something that I've experienced quite a lot actually um, in various countries that I've lived in where 
people are not willing to assist with directions. So, for instance, in Ghana, if you ask somebody for exactly. help, so they're always very me. willing to help. Um, they might not give you useful information <laughs> all the time, <laughs> but, but at least they are willing to help. Yeah. yeah and uh, in these help. situations, you can't really assess if, mm. because in some cases, it could be a cultural thing, like let's say maybe yeah. Chinese people mm. or a language barrier. Mm. Um, because I've been How in countries. How did you feel the first time it was done to me? Initially, feeling, you, th- you don't think much about it the first time, right? Because mm-hmm. you think, like maybe nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you when reason. you see a pattern, then you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. What's going hmm, on? Is it because again, because now you're in a place where race is a factor. Here, mm-hmm. race is not a factor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then you start wondering, is this because of my race? Mm-hmm. Is it because yeah. of a language barrier? Maybe this person generally doesn't speak English or culturally is just not from an environment where communal interactions are big mm-hmm. um and because you can't really put a pin on anything mm-hmm. you're left to come up with your own conclusions as to <laughs> what exactly happened mm-hmm. okay. um but yeah it's, it's a very it, it's a small thing but mm-hmm. it happens frequently enough that you're like hmm. and so, the first day to the like i experienced the food and the weather too because like m- when my mom and i went out we went to buy a little provision so mm. coming back home you know here you're like sometimes you you want to like my household i want i always try to go into the fridge to drink milk and stuff and sometimes my mom would be like stop it and that kind of <laughs> thing so here in the foreign um country you know they sell really huge jars it's not mm. like the peak mm. milk small mm. things mm. so my mom went to shower and i was very excited i opened up the milk bottle and i poured it in my mouth and i was like jesus christ <laughs> it tastes nothing like pig milk i had to run to the kitchen to like spill it out so that was already a food mm, experience mm. that you're having there where you you're so excited to have pig milk in large quantities but <laughs> you realize it's not pig milk not at all yeah. um then the weather aspect to mm. where you arrive then they say it's summer but i was already wearing my winter jacket <laughs> then <laughs> as at that time right but with time you get used to it and it's, it's summer you dress like them too mm. right? you get you, you get acclimatized yeah. to the weather i realized that the, the sun was only there to provide light it's a touch light that's what i do in winter it's like such a drama queen it yeah. decides to come out when it wants and, and go it's, early it's so interesting how when that sun comes out everybody there goes to wear shades i'm like which sun are you guys wearing shades for this one mm. yeah as a Ghanaian, i'm like you people don't even know what the sun nah. is but whatever building on that the thing i find very interesting is all of a sudden the weather is actually a conversation topic over mm. here nobody speaks about the weather unless yeah. maybe nah. there's a flood yeah. or something yeah. Yeah. True, serious true, true. but it now makes sense. Like, mm. you know, when you're watching movies and TV shows, mm. you see characters speaking about the weather and you're like, why? <laughs> now it makes sense because mm. <laughs> it changes so much. Mm. And like I've recommended saying, they don't play with their son. Right? Yeah. Whether it's hot or not, people immediately get into summer clothes. They're outside the whole day <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and doing the most because of touch lights. Mm. <laughs> Wait, so was, was there any point living abroad you, you um, regretted? You actually went. Have you ever had that moment, like no. in your pensive moment? Have no you? regrets, but okay. I mean, you miss home. Your loved ones mm-hmm. are here. You mm-hmm. miss. There's a certain ease with being in Ghana, right? Like, I don't know if it's because things are generally slow <laughs> in Ghana, but there's a certain ease and peace that comes with being here. Even mm-hmm. the weather relaxes you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I've had regrets yet. Um, Wait, so when you say it relaxes you, before you said you were eager to to leave in 2010 because of like the 
climate or temp, temp, yeah. That, yeah the way the sun was hot yeah I, I, <laughs> so how do you how do you how do you reconcile the two i mean it's or it's because you are coming from yeah now you uh, again it's like it yeah 11 years since okay. I, I don't have the sun blazing <laughs> on me <laughs> and again it's soon after motown you right. think about like we didn't the sun like yeah. all the things that <laughs> you know i should see anything pleasant with our weather um whereas now like it's it's cold. It's mm. it's usually very mm. cold. I'm, I'm based in Ireland at the moment. It's usually mm. very cold year round. Um, so when you're here, it feels like a holiday almost. Mm. It's, mm. And it, it really is relaxing, mm. right? I know the sun can be blazing, but there's just something calm. No place like calm and about being here. I think there's there's this thing of you don't know what you have till you lose it. That's just the honest mm-hmm. truth. Mm. Because even going outside, living here, you don't even have any respect for share butter. But people respect share butter, mm. like outside, right? So mm. you don't know these things that you have till you lose it. Mm. Even salmon, the little things like salmon, salmon that we don't respect here. Mm. Yeah, tilapia is we the boss. What do we call it? Samai. That's what we call it. You know, but salmon is so expensive. You don't know what you is have not to salmon. Eat. Really? It's salmon. mackerel. Oh, that's mackerel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't know this. This, this is, this is <laughs> that's, yeah, this. that's another thing I okay, figured out. Okay, come think yeah. of it. Yeah, that's mm. Samai. Samai. Do you oh, know Samai? Samai. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because here oh, we call that's mackerel. the one that oh. people call oh. salmon. Ah, yeah, yeah. but that's true. actually not salmon. But yeah. even yeah. mackerel is very expensive mm-hmm. abroad. Yeah, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. So you don't you don't know what you have to lose. We complain about the weather here, and I mean Ghana is really hot. As a the time we even left, it wasn't as hot as now. Mm. But when you compare it to the cold, to the cold to is a is a problem. It's, it's not any better, if you ask me. Mm. <laughs> or maybe it's even worse. Mm. So yeah. Okay. So Tom, Gerald mentioned something about um, racism briefly. Um, we hear so much about racism here. Um, even we experience some level of racism over here. Um, we could go into like all kinds of angles and, and how racism is everywhere. But for this conversation, over there, what's the... Do you think it's overrated or you think it's it's actually real? It's a re- reality. Do you think... Are you one of those who think black Americans are making a big deal out of it? Or you think it's it's actually a thing? So... I think racism is a thing, right? It's a very difficult thing to deny. Um, individuals, irrespective of their background, cultural-wise, right, have their own biases and interests and concerns about others, right? We're a very cautious species. Um, so racism is something that has been embedded in the way that we interact with each other mm. primarily for the purposes of like securing and you know gaining power um so if you look at the global power dynamics and you look at the interactions with people it's mm. it's very hard to say that racism doesn't exist mm. also the way that because we're all different the way that each individual engages with racism mm. or experiences is, is going to be different the way that us as west africans would process acts of racism would 
be very different from the way that somebody who's lived in America their whole life or in Canada okay, their whole life will experience point. it, right? I think when you come from a society like ours where race is not really a factor that is top of mind, mm-hmm. it takes a while for it to register. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you've, and I guess in our cases, after you've lived there for a while, it takes less time the more you're there. Like you notice it much faster than let's say year one or day one when mm-hmm. you moved. Mm-hmm. Um, because here, when something happens that you can't explain, Race is not the first thing you look mm. to. You look to things of, I find that in Ghana, class is one of the biggest barriers. True. So True. you might think about class, you might think about ethnicity, religion, what have you. Mm-hmm. But there, race is such a big factor that all the other things like class also play, are intersected with mm. race, right? Um, in my experience, I think most of the racism I've dealt with have come in the form of microaggressions like what we were just speaking about earlier where you can't really there's something that feels off you can't really pinpoint exactly what it is nobody's calling you the n-word nobody's doing something overtly racist but you question yourself as to why exactly did this happen right like you take a seat on the bus or the train or wherever and nobody comes to sit by you even though that's the only vacant seat i mean i don't mind because it's more leg room it's your loss Mm -hmm. but Little, little things like that that you can't really explain or like, again, I'm a very big black person. Um, so you go into an elevator or like some sort of space and you realize that people are suddenly clutching their backs. Mm. And then you second guess, would they do that if I wasn't black race, yeah. or is this person just being conscious instinctively because they have something valuable in their back? You can't explain it, but it feels off. Those have been the bulk of my experiences. So nothing like direct at you, like so maybe someone sees you and says, go back to your country, not, nothing oh, like that. Actually, in two different <laughs> cases. Okay. Um, so there was one one time I was visiting my sister who used to live in Switzerland mm. um, and I had just gotten out of the train with my luggage and somebody walked past me and was like, go back to where you came from. I don't know who the person is, I just heard it. Um, and I remember one time in Dublin, I was going to work, I was wearing an African print shirt um, <laughs> and this guy on the train was engaging me in a conversation. He was like, oh, I really like that shirt. And it was a pretty pleasant discussion. I was engaging him back because I thought, oh, I'm speaking about my culture, you mm. know, just being nice, right, until we get to our various destinations. And then he mentioned where I was going. I was like, oh, I'm going to work. And he was like, oh, that's interesting because your kind don't really like to work. Um, wow. What? And I was like, <laughs> okay, that took a sharp, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, a sharp that lift. Um, and then I remember as a kid... We were in at the bank in London. I, I was visiting family, and I had gone to sit on the sofa where this elderly white lady was, and she screamed and got up, and she was like, "Why did they let me in and allow me to sit next to her?" And like created a scene, and I think that was my very first encounter with something racist. Scene. At that age, how did you feel about that? Oh, you, Confused. You didn't process it. I, I I wasn't sure how to process it, but I felt insulted, mm-hmm. right? Because the assumptions I'm about to steal your bag. Mm. And anybody who knows me knows that like that's the so far from yeah, anything I'm yeah. likely to right. So I okay. found that very weird. Okay. Anything for you? I think I agree with Jordan hundred percent. There are a lot of things that might happen that you can't really say was racist against you, but you do wonder if it's because you're black. Like even when you go for job interviews and you perform very well and you know the people that are interviewing you are of a, of a different race and they choose somebody of that race you wonder if it's because you actually didn't perform well 
if the person performed better than you mm. or is it because they didn't really want you on their team right? is it true you can't wear braids like that like you're wearing right now no it's it's not true um you you can't wear those kind of heads you see i live in canada too so it's, it's a more bit liberal right? it's it's a bit more liberal and the reason there is a bit more subtle. Mm. They, if they're going to do it's it, not it's, top tier. it's yes, <laughs> it's so subtle that you can't really see it, or you wouldn't mm. really ever mm. know. And I feel like that's the even more dangerous <laughs> one. But like, mm. yeah, I see. You basically have experiences where you wonder, but you're not a hundred percent sure. Mm. Mm. So it's more in a subtle, subtle way. Mm-hmm. Right. But what of your own? countrymen i mean how how have they treated you have you met him have Mm. you yeah i mean for most people who migrate outside like people from your own country not not family by the way no not family right Mm. people like i was saying when i went to college i Mm. met with two others who were also going to the same school um and were Ghanaian. so Mm. people who are Ghanaians, oftentimes nigerians africans are the first people that you lean on and throughout your time abroad they are, if they are available they are the ones you tend to lean on the most um, and it's it's because you have a natural rhythm right like you get each other's jokes um, there's a way of being that puts you at ease when you're around people who are fam- from familiar backgrounds whereas like when you're not with people who are from a familiar background you have to put up a version of yourself you might be happy interacting with them but to some extent, it's a performance mm. um, because there's certain things that you can say, but you, you have mm. to say them a certain mm. way or you can't say certain things because it might upset others. Because, again, they come from different cultural backgrounds. Mm. So as you're abroad for a longer period of time, you learn how to be sensitive to people from different experiences. Mm. Um, and when you're with people from the same background, you don't put on that same performance mm. because you can you can say anything that you want, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I find that people from your own country or continent, you can, you guys are close knit. It's almost like you look out for each other. So you guys have a like community, right? Are Africans abroad united, as united as you're making it seem? In my experience, it's yes. Okay. But in general, people say no. But in my experience, I can't it hasn't speak. Been the I case. can't. Mm. I can't speak for okay. the nose. Yeah. So you've you've been. Like we've always Africans helped you settle better. Oh yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, among the two of you, if you're if you're to choose um, a multicultural environment and an African environment, which would you go for? I'll go for the African environment. Because oh, no, no, so please go on. Yeah. I'll go for the African environment just because you can relate to them better. But then you also have to remember that, like, because they're immigrants, we're all trying to find our way in the country it's like the multicultural people sometimes have connections already that help you climb up like let's say would i say the corporate ladder will help you with connections basically networking and connections but in terms of feeling at home like having a natural rhythm with people it's it's the african community right Mm. Mm. i see yeah i would say a mixture like Avakuma said Mm -hmm. um to some extent what we go through right so like you have friends from your African community that you engage with. And then if you need to engage with people outside that community, you can do that to access things that you need. Um, Okay. Well, you know, honestly, will you actually 
make the decision to to go again. If you had the chance to, if do you had the chance to go, yes. Um, because I feel like it's changed my perspective about life. If I mm. were living in Ghana, I'd probably be myopic. Maybe I'd. But this, like this experience, makes me see things from a very different perspective. So yes, I'd like to do it again. Yeah. Same. I I think the exposure is the biggest gain here. Um, this. I wouldn't say close-mindedness, but you don't push yourself if you're in the same space. Or and it's not just kind of anybody who finds themselves stuck in a particular environment, right? Mm. Um, there's a lot to gain by moving outside that zone and engaging with people from different backgrounds or from different experiences. And it doesn't have to be abroad per se. It could be going to Kenya or South Africa, mm. just mm-hmm. a different environment. An expert group in Ghana. Or even meeting an expert group in Ghana, yeah. right? That's, I think, a, a thing that a lot of people who go to international schools also benefit from because mm-hmm. they might have classmates from different cultures as yeah. well. But it's just like learning French here in Ghana from Alliance Francaise as opposed to being thrown into the middle of Paris. Mm. It's a bit different. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's you, 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 you gain more there. Mm. There's some certain things that can be described to you here that you think you understand until you get there and you realize Oof, nothing mm. really prepared me for this I think I think travel in general is eye opening yeah it's eye opening even like so there was a bit where I used to um, travel internally and just document it yeah. mm-hmm. um, and there's a certain le- level of open mindedness open mindedness it brings to your horizon mm. okay and learning about different people exactly. and you know landscape and culture yeah. and things like that i think travel generally does that and so even going to togo or going mm-hmm. to benin or spending yeah. some time in mali or it does something to you yeah. that staying like staying put does it yeah. may not actually i don't know yeah. that you agree with yeah me. I, I i actually do because um i i, I realized that um I mean, if you were to ask me, I would say everyone should just go, but they shouldn't really stay. Like, they should mm. just go and see. Mm-hmm. Like, like they say, go and travel, see somewhere. Travel and see. Mm. Right? Because people are, people are living different lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and their lives are actually moving on mm-hmm. from... Their lives are so different that you, you'd actually think that what you are doing is like the best way to live. Right. And so you go somewhere else and you see that mm. people are doing it in a different way and their lives are actually yeah. like they're moving, moving on. on yeah. they, okay, so it's, it's opens your eyes to different I different feel like there's life. certain things that you do here that you feel are taboos and stuff like mm-hmm. so you're living in a box mm. but when you travel and you see that while well, these people are have already broken out of this box and yeah. they're flying you realize exactly. that oh my god so i had this opportunity <laughs> to fly and i've been hiding in this box exactly. for a while now. Mm-hmm. so it's, exactly. it's also it's eye-opening and it's, it can be liberating okay so let me let me get a bit controversial what what would you those who say um particularly the the bandwagon to europe and to america is slavery happening all over again um, considering the number who would do anything to go, you listen to the migrant crisis on the Mediterranean and all of that. Um, what what do you have to say? Is this slavery happen all, happening all over again? 
because this time we are willingly going there. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's engineered that way? What, what What do you think? What are your opinions about it? So I wouldn't say it's slavery all over again because okay. slavery comes with a certain kind of burden, right? Whether okay. it's the transatlantic slavery mm. or it's the slavery that we're seeing today through human trafficking and sex mm-hmm. um, slavery as well. Um, but what I would say to that is the thing that people need to be very mindful of is that even though your economic outcomes can improve by living and working outside, it's not easy. It's a much more structured society with clear boundaries as to what you have to do at a particular time and what you can't. Over here, you can go a very long time without paying taxes. You shouldn't, but a lot of people do that. Um, you cannot dare to not pay taxes in, the, in a place like the United States or the UK or Canada. Um, so just be mindful of the fact that it's hard. Um, it's also not easy to find a job outside. I think people assume that just by having a well-paying job or education a well-paying job right so we all know stories of people who have extremely well qualified Mm -hmm. pretty brilliant Mm -hmm. who are living below their dreams and aspirations in order to make a little bit more money Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. so be mindful of the trade-offs um i don't think it's worth the sacrifice of going illegally so we also all know of the stories of migrants who go through the sahara mm-hmm. desert yeah, um, so many yeah i don't think that journey is worth it um but if you are fortunate to let's say move outside because let's say a job has brought you in or let's say you're privileged to pursue an education outside mm-hmm. and through those channels you've gotten a job that comes with a bit more structure um, then that's something that's worth exploring. You may or may not like it. Mm. Um, we know people who've um, come back, like Patrick Uwa mm-hmm. from Ashesi, you know, mm-hmm. and done even better for themselves. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the I, like the icing on the cake when it comes to success and opportunities. But there, the, the, the reality of the case is that our economy doesn't work the way that it should. There are not as many jobs available. Um, so if it's something that you can explore in a very structured way, definitely go through it. I wouldn't really say it's slavery because again you're you're serving your self-interest you are going there for economic outcomes you're going there for professional growth for the exposure um to be able to help your loved ones back home um depending on your situation so um no i i don't think it's a fair comparison cool cool. um i wouldn't call it slavery per se maybe slavery is a bit too harsh Mm. but there is some element of mental colonialism if you know what i mean Mm. um because first of all the reason why we would even want to pursue an education there is because maybe the education system here is not good Mm. if it was respected and people rather from outside were coming here to pursue an education Mm. like people from europe and united states etc who who makes that assessment of whose education is better and who's not so it's it comes exactly. down to so the same comes, thing yeah, you know they're calling the, mm. the the shots at the end of the day so it's not it's a, a form of mental colonialism where mm. we're not even um fighting back and saying but why do you think yours is better than ours mm. do you understand yeah, sure. so um it's and even you it is also a, f- a form of mental colonialism where you see that a doctor here would rather ride, be driving a taxi. Nothing wrong with taxi driving, mm. but like where your dream is to be a doctor, why would you sacrifice it to go and um, drive a taxi? There's, out? A, there's a CNN documentary I watched in the early 2000s, and I, there's, I, I can't seem to. It's, all, it's about immigration in general, and they traffic, um, they 
highlighted those on, on the desert and so many angles mm. and they also checked out this um the streets of i think it was london and there was this economist from nigeria mm-hmm. he said he was an economist mm-hmm. but he was sleeping on the streets mm-hmm. like in the midst of cardboard cup cardboard how do you call that thing um those yeah uh, cardboard mm. uh, cardboard, mm, cardboard yes 